Almighty God, we thank you for your holy word. May it be a lantern to our feet, a light to our paths, and strength to our lives. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our first reading is from Colossians chapter 4, just reading verses 2 to 6. Where Paul says, Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us as well that God will open to us a door for the word, that we may declare the mystery of Christ for which I am in prison, so that I may reveal it clearly as I should. Conduct yourselves wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer everyone. And our second reading is from the Gospel of Matthew, right at the very end, chapter 28. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Hear the word of the Lord. love these clickers Scott I might get you to do it it's not working thank you good morning St Tom's it's lovely to be here this morning uh, my name is Karen in case you've missed that piece of information um, and I'm on staff here last year I heard Ben say to Matt I've been your friend for 10 years shared a house with you for two years, and you knew about this amazing gift of salvation that is just there for me to pick up, and you didn't tell me? There was an appropriate response, but would your friends say the same? On the other hand, I've been friends with a bunch from my gym for 10 years. We've had coffee nearly every Saturday morning for 10 years. They know I'm a Christian, they know what I believe, and none of them have become Christian or even shown much interest in Jesus. Have you got friends like that? Have you got friends you would like to introduce to Jesus? What I'd like you to do, this is something you never hear a preacher say, I would like you to get your phones out. (laughs) And in your notes section or somewhere, I would like you to write down the name of two people who you think of when you think, I'd like to tell them about Jesus. Who is it? It might be family, it might be someone in a cafe, it might be a friend somewhere, or it might be yourself. It might be that you want to find out more about Jesus. But write down, so get out your phones and write down the names of two people. It'll come up again later. 
There are also, though, aren't there, other friends. Years ago, I told the gospel to someone and she became a Christian. She got deeply involved at church. She went to Monash Christian Union and grew in her faith enormously. This year, she and her husband and three children are going overseas as missionaries to serve in a secure country that I cannot mention. What an incredible joy to see the whole process, to see what God has done and is doing in her life and in their lives. So even though many of my friends are still not interested, I can say genuinely that evangelism is fun. Scott, (laughs) evangelism is fun. Why? Well, because you get to see God at work in front of your eyes. When someone becomes a Christian, like Ben, you know actually that God has been at work for many years. So Ben was observing Matt, watching Matt's behavior, watching everything that he did not waver in his faith for years and years. And so when you are involved in evangelism, you are seeing God at work maybe over many years and he's doing something in front of your eyes. One of the things I love about St. Tom's is evangelism is on the agenda. It's clear that people understand that talking to others about Jesus is what it takes for someone to become a Christian. There's public proclamation, but most of the witness is ordinary people talking to their friends about Jesus. Many Christians, not so much at St. Tom's, but many Christians have the misapprehension that evangelism involves some obnoxious dude standing on a street corner with a microphone. You still see them, unbelievably. They think, people think, therefore, that evangelism is offensive, rude, and embarrassing. But the Bible is clear that witnessing to Jesus is an outworking of love for people. If you love someone, you will tell them about Jesus. So let me show you how it works. Our passages today tell us why we tell others about Jesus and how we tell others about Jesus. Now, you, are, you probably know the passage from Matthew called the Great Commission. The 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Why do we tell people? Well, because Jesus has been given all authority. But what's the point of that? Is it simply that he's the boss? In playgroup last year, I had a conversation with Eleanor, you know, Eleanor who sits down the front here, who's, who's five, as we all know. <laughs> Eleanor, who kind of gets why Jesus is the boss. Eleanor said, can we have a jumpy castle? And I said, you'll have to ask Rachel. Why do you always say I'll have to ask Rachel? Because she's the boss. No, she's not. Jesus is the boss. (laughs) Yes, but Rachel is the boss of the playgroup. Eleanor says thoughtfully, if Jesus dies, 
then Rachel is the boss. <laughs> no, no, no. If Jesus dies, then the Easter bunny is the boss. Then Rachel is the boss. It gets worse, right? <laughs> Trying to stop the whole conversation derailing completely, I say, but Jesus doesn't die. She says, yes, he does. At Easter. <laughs> yes, uh, but then he comes alive again and he never dies, I say. Yes, he does. At Easter. <laughs> Every Easter. <laughs> Oh, I say, because there's nowhere to go from there. <laughs> but Jesus actually tells us in John that the reason we do as he asks is much bigger than him simply being the boss. Just before his death, Jesus prays, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Authority given to Jesus means he's glorified. And by giving people eternal life, Jesus is glorifying God. So if people come to know Jesus through us, then we're playing our part in glorifying Jesus as he glorifies God. We're part of God's plan to glorify himself. And that's fun, really fun. So, but let's skip back to the Matthew 28 passage for a moment. There's a word in there that's totally surprising. I don't know if you noticed it. In the red, when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Even then, immediately after the resurrection... They saw him and some doubted. Unbelievable. But it means it's okay to doubt. And we can doubt. We are allowed to doubt too. And we can have questions and uncertainties. And then there's this special message in the, for the doubters in this passage, the second red one. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So he's told all of them, to tell people about himself. And he tells us the same. Go and make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them. And to the doubters, he says, I will always be with you. To the scared, he says, I will always be with you. To the uncertain, he says, I will always be with you. What an incredible relief. He's given us a job. He'll be with us as we do it. In fact, it's Jesus' job to give people eternal life. We are simply the ones who tell them about it. So our part in this is to clearly and coherently and as carefully as we can tell people about Jesus. Jesus' job is conversion. His job is to give people eternal life. You see, you are not converting people. That's way above your pay grade. That's Jesus' job. So if we're not converting people and just telling them the good news, then how do we do that? Well, Paul gives us a checklist in Colossians. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in, in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us as well that God will open to us a door for the word, that we may declare the mystery of Christ for which I am in prison, so that I may reveal it clearly as I should. 
Conduct yourselves wisely towards outsiders, making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. What are the things that Paul says to do? Well, he says, devote yourselves to prayer. Pray for other people's outreach, that God would open the door and reveal the gospel clearly. Conduct yourselves wisely. Be gracious as you speak. Learn how to answer everyone. Well, what does this mean for us? Well, the first thing to notice is that evangelism is a team sport. Let me show you how. Well, first of all, actually, a personal disclosure. I don't like kids' craft. In fact, I hate glitter, pipe cleaners, glue. I hate cutting up paper. I hate sticking things on other things. And I would hate to be asked to organize craft, let alone a whole playgroup. So not my thing. But playgroup is really significant. And the people who organize the playgroup, create the craft, serve the morning tea and clean up afterwards are all creating a valuable opportunity to show and share the gospel. I simply hang around and talk. Last year, a couple who many of you have met came to playgroup and got to know us. When they mentioned they were lonely, suggesting they come to church was the obvious solution, especially because I knew that people would be loving and kind here. They were invited to church camp and people worked really hard to make sure they could come. Then when the next Introducing God course came up, it was completely normal to invite them along. People cooked, cleaned, engaged beautifully, gave them lifts and helped them and loved them. And so when one of them said, I have learnt so much about Jesus, he takes away my shame and guilt, I knew that evangelism is a team sport. Can you count how many people were involved? The playgroup leaders, the playgroup volunteers, the craft volunteers, the welcomers at church, the members of our church, the drivers to the camp, the prayers at church and in home groups, the leaders of Introducing God, the cooks at Introducing God, and dozens of others. God has used every one of these ordinary people doing ordinary things in a marvelous team to glorify himself. I love this quote from the book Total Church. Most gospel ministry involves ordinary people doing ordinary things with gospel intentionality. Ordinary people doing ordinary things with gospel intentionality. Scott. <laughs> that one. Ordinary things, ordinary people, gospel intentionality. So then Paul tells the Colossians, therefore, devote yourselves to prayer, pray for other people's outreach, conduct yourselves wisely, be gracious as you speak, and learn how to answer everyone. And we should do the same. So let me make these ideas concrete in our context. We've been doing this Commito series, and there are simple things I'm going to ask you to commit to. Devote yourselves to prayer. Two, four, two. Paul tells the Colossians to devote themselves to prayer. And I'm asking you to commit to two, four, two. Two, four, two is shorthand for praying for two people for two minutes a day. Two people for two minutes. 
So remember I told you to get out your phones and write down those names? They're the people. Pray for two people for two minutes. You can choose other people if you really have to, but they're the ones who jumped into your mind, aren't they? So commit to praying for those people. And then pray that God would open the door. Pray that you would clearly proclaim the gospel when you get the chance. Paul also tells the Colossians to pray for his outreach. The same prayer, that God would open the door and the gospel would be clearly proclaimed. And for us, that could mean committing to pray weekly for one of our outreach ministries here at church and for one of our mission partners. You could commit to praying for our outreach and our mission partners. Then Paul tells the Colossians, conduct yourselves wisely, be gracious as you speak, learn how to answer everyone. First, conduct yourselves wisely. Now, there are a million ways this could be applied to us. I want to suggest just two based on observation of our culture. I think people in our society are increasingly lonely. If you think about your group of friends, my guess is that there are church friends, family friends, maybe school or university friends, possibly a couple of work friends. Now imagine you've just moved to a new town, uh, Tamworth in northwest New South Wales. None of those connections exist. But as Christians, we have an advantage, don't we? Because we know that church provides a great community. So we'd start there. That's an amazing gift that God gives us. But when you're not a Christian and you're new to Melbourne, for instance, you could easily end up very lonely. So therefore, let's commit to making a new friend this year. Introduce yourself, remember names, and perhaps suggest coffee. It could be a new dog-walking friend, or a park-run friend, or a worker in a cafe, or a member of your gym, or a new person at work, at school, at playgroup, at university. You could join a woodworking club. Peter Crandall keeps asking me to join his woodworking club. I'm so keen, and Rod goes, no. You could join an art group, a writer's group, a book club. You could do a cake decorating course or a blacksmithing course. They're really fun. I've done two. Whatever it takes, commit to making a new friend. And this is a second suggestion in conducting yourself wisely, wisely is to commit to inviting someone to introducing God. They may say no, but don't assume. They may also say yes. Just ask and tell them you'll come with them and that it's free and they get free dinner. So then Paul says to the people, to the Colossians, be gracious as you speak. For us, that could mean don't censor your God language. What I mean is, if I would say to Denise, my Christian friend, that I prayed for something and I was disappointed because God said no, or God did no, or didn't answer, then I would also say that to my non-Christian friends. Because I think, actually, we self-censor a lot. And so sometimes people don't even know that you're Christian. And further to that, pray for the opportunity to tell someone your God story. And if you're not confident to do that, then you can learn. I can teach you. And Paul's final encouragement is learn how to answer everyone. 
this year I'll be running an evangelism training program and you could commit to attending that. It might be a half-day training or maybe you want to sign up your whole home group for a series of training nights. But commit to that so that everyone will be able to answer the questions. And answer not just the hard questions, but the simple questions. What do Christians believe? What do you believe? Remember, our job is to explain faith in Jesus as clearly, coherently, carefully, and kindly as we can. God's job is to convert people. So where have we been? Well, we started with evangelism is fun. We've said tell people about Jesus because he asks us to do it and it glorifies him. And we've heard Paul tell the Colossians, devote yourselves to prayer, conduct yourselves wisely, be gracious as we speak, learn how to answer everyone. Let me tell you one more story. 2008 was for Rod and I the year from hell for a million different reasons. A small reason amongst it was that I put my back out. So I go to the doctor. She says, yeah, you've done something to your disc, blah, blah, blah. Oh, and that's a funny colored spot you've got there. I'll send you to a dermatologist. He sends me to a dermatologist. He does a biopsy. I have things off all the time. I don't even take any notice, right? The next Monday, he tells me it's a melanoma and it's got to come off. Oh, I'm a bit kind of shaken by that. So I book surgery for Friday. When I got home, I told Rod, and he reminded me, Karen, you're speaking on a camp on Friday and Saturday and Sunday. You can't have surgery on Friday. So he rang and asked the surgery if, it could, the, the, if the surgery could be delayed, and they said, no, that's too late. Next week is too late. Panic. Anyway, so Rod managed to get the surgery rescheduled for the very next morning, for Tuesday, at 6 a.m., before surgery started, right? So I'm following the surgeon into the room as he's turning on the lights, and I'm mad at God, really mad. Eventually, I'm lying face down on the table, thinking I should pray, I should pray. So I, I pray through gritted teeth, God... I trust in a trustworthy God. Amen. <laughs> That's as much as I can do. As the surgery proceeds, I realize I can actually feel it. Ugh, that's awful. And then a nurse says to me, so Karen, what do you do? Now I've got my head in a hole, right? So I say, I work at university explaining faith in Jesus to students. Oh, she says, perhaps you can answer my question. <laughs> How do I get into heaven? <laughs> you have to ask Jesus. <laughs> Can't you ask for me? No. <laughs> you have to ask the big man yourself. But what if I miss out? There's plenty of room. It's like a hotel. <laughs> Everyone can go. You just have to make a reservation. You can't just turn up and say, I've got a room booked if you haven't made a reservation. Oh, she says, that's interesting. 
And that was the end of the conversation. I never saw her again. In fact, I never saw her at all. <laughs> and I must admit, I thought, God, surely there was an easier way for her to hear the gospel. <laughs> and then I thought, well, obviously not. That's what it took. So let's finish by praying this prayer together. I'll give you a moment to read it, and then if you want, you can pray it with me. Can you go to the next slide, Scott? Yep, thanks. Okay, we'll go back. Let's pray together. Dear God, thank you that Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. Thank you that he sends us out to talk about him. Thank you that he is there with us as we do that. Please open the doors for us to speak of Jesus and help us to recognize the opportunities. Help us to speak clearly of Jesus in those moments. We pray for our mission partners that you would open the door for them, that they would take the opportunities to speak of Jesus. Help all of us at St. Tom's to conduct ourselves wisely, to be gracious as we speak, and to learn how to answer everyone. We pray all these things for the glory of Jesus' name. Amen.